I'm so glad you're here because we're going to finish the book of Matthew today. Yes, that's right. We are going to complete the book of Matthew. And as you know, we've been journeying through the scriptures. Our goal here is to just read through the entire New Testament together. And you guys can journey with me in that. This is called the read and rant. Essentially, what we do is we spend a few moments reading the word, and then we'll spend a few moments ranting. And we do that every day. I call it a rant because, again, I have nothing prepared. Okay. I'm just, listen, I'm just... I'm just going where the Lord leads. We're going where the Spirit leads. We've got nothing planned, nothing prepared. We just want to spend time with the Lord in the reading of God's Word. And so with that being said, we pray. We pray to invite God to come and participate with us, to speak to us as we read the Word, to be inspired by Him, to be uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit guides us as we are washed in the Word. Um, And so what I ask you to do, because this isn't a Bible study, what I ask you to do is as we're reading to ask the Lord three questions as you're reading this text today. Is God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? First question. Second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? And so that's what we're going to focus on. That's what we're going to commit to. So let's do it, y'all. Let's spend time in the reading of God's word. Father, I thank you today, Lord, as you brought us together Lord, in this moment, in this time, we have people from different areas, different time zones, different places all over the earth, Lord, to come together and to read your word. Father, I pray that you would bless this moment, anoint this time, Lord God. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, reveal your will, your heart, Lord God. We pray that we would be encouraged today as we read your word, that we'd be inspired um, as we read your word today. And Father, that we will leave not the same way this morning in your word as we came in. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do it, fam. Let's spend time reading his word. Verse 26. Sorry, verse 26. (laughs) Chapter 26, it says this. Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who's called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So From that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Now, on the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dips his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? 
He said to him, you have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broken and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit Sorry, of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Then Jesus came with them to the place of Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and praying, saying, and prayed, saying, oh, my father, If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then came the disciples and found them sleeping. Sorry. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Hmm. Again, the second time he went away and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them sleeping again for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away and prayed the third time saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately, he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? And they came, laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Hmm. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. 
but found none, even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his clothes saying, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said to him, he is deserving of death. Then they spat on his face and beat him and others struck him with the palm of their hands saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when she had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also are one of them for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Hmm. Chapter 27. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had condemned, he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and brought with them a potter's field and and to bury the strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to them, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word so that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask Barabbas, they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, 
which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified. And Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that the tumult was rising. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when they, when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to Praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted the crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed on his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Hmm. Now, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by his name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of the skull, they gave him sour wine, mingled it with gall to drink. And when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided garments among them. And from my clothing, they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put over his head an accusation against him. <laughs> this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him. One on the right, the other on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him wagging their heads and saying, you who destroy the temple, build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest also mocking with the scribes and elders said, he saved others himself. He cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. We trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. <laughs> Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sakbaktani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran for a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed and offered him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil from the temple was torn from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's son, sons. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself also had become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate, asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. Then when Joseph had taken the body, 
He wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of a rock, and rolled the large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary, sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, remember while he was still alive, how that deceiver said, After three days he will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the tomb and setting the guard. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that I see Jesus who was crucified. He is not there, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where this Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they quickly went out from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And when they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Hmm. Verse 11. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the, to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you guys. So glad you're all here. And glad you guys did it. You guys did it with me. We have now read through the entire book of Matthew. And we're going to continue to journey through the New Testament, which is why I encourage you, before I even get started, to join our Discord. Because if you miss it, you might miss it on TikTok. You might miss it on IG, but you won't miss it on Discord. I'll tell you that right now the one platform I'll be on regularly. So I want to encourage you, join our Discord, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. I'll leave it at that. So that you guys can stay consistent. And of course, if you miss it, you can always catch it on, on Patreon. And you can join our Patreon there. <clears throat> However, what I want to do is, is just spend a few moments. Um, it's cool, right, Mary? Because if you've never read through the entire book, you get here and, of course, you, you you see the climax of the book, which is, of course, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
as I mentioned to you guys before, that the book of Matthew was really about the fulfillment, that it might be fulfilled. And you've seen this over and over again, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. And so the author of Matthew is really curating decades upon decades of of oral tradition, stories that have been said about Jesus, stories that have been articulated about Jesus, about his life and about his ministry. And it's been pieced together in this way with the purpose of communicating how Christ is the fulfillment of the law and how Christ is the fulfillment of the promises of God. It's discord.gg slash opus frere. O-P-U-S-F-R-E-R-E. All right. I know I'm live here, so I, I saw the question. So I said, you know, let me quickly shoot it at you so you can get it. And there's so many things here to unpack, so many things to share. And I only have a few minutes. Okay. I only want to spend a few minutes with y'all today. <clears throat> As we've now completed the book of Matthew. There's something that we have to be attuned to from the beginning of what I would call the final days of Jesus' life and ministry, the passion of the Christ. We see that it begins in chapter 26, where they're plotting to kill Jesus. <clears throat> and they, what I mean by they, is I'm talking about the, the, the high priests and the scribes. And so now the chief priests, the scribes, they were the ones who, they wanted to be done with Jesus for all the reasons of what we read before. And of course, everything's brewing up because all the, all the Jews are in Jerusalem right now to celebrate the Passover. So this is a big moment. The city is crowded. There are people everywhere and tensions are forming in part because of Jesus, who at this point had crowds following him around. And of course, Jesus is a rebel rouser because Jesus has challenged the establishment. They saw Jesus as a threat. And so they said, you know what? It's time to be done with this guy. They had political and economic reasons for getting rid of Jesus. And Jesus knew, knowing this, had already told the disciples, I'm about to go. <clears throat> and of course, then we see as the story continues, Jesus is now speaking more and more and more about his death. I'm getting to my point here. And then we see Judas, one of the 12 disciples who betrays Jesus. Judas betrays him for 30 pieces of silver, which is good money. And I was talking to some of our core guys yesterday. We were uh, having a conversation about it. But Judas betrays Jesus. And now we're, we've, we've seen things culminate to the point where even those within his inner circle have begun to break off from him. Judas is one of the most misunderstood disciples in the Bible. And I'm not going to spend all my time here to unpack Judas for you. But when we understand what's going on in the heart of Judas, we'll see the heart of Judas in many of us. Judas did not sell Jesus to be condemned. Judas sold Jesus out of his own agenda concerning Jesus realizing that his own agenda concerning Jesus is what led him to be illegally tried and condemned. And of course, knowing what was going to transpire, that he would be crucified. And Judas, out of the guilt of that, of course, ended up committing suicide. <clears throat> but Judas had his own agenda. It wasn't that he didn't love Jesus or that he hated Jesus or he had some kind of vendetta against Jesus. Judas had his own agenda. How many of us have our own agendas? <laughs> Especially around Jesus. How many of us are like Judas with our own agendas? We, we like Jesus. But we want Jesus for what Jesus does for us. We, we, we love Jesus. As long as Jesus works out for us. We, 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 we have a... You know, we, we love being a Christian and whatever means that being a Christian works for us. So we, 
you know, point at Judas, you know, stick our noses up at Judas as if he's some guy who's so evil that none of us can be anything like him. And yet when we really look deep down inside, we've all been Judas at some point. We wanted things from Jesus at whatever cost it took. In this case, Judas sold him for 20 pieces, sorry, for 30 pieces of silver. Judas saw Jesus as a political zealot. Judas didn't care about this kingdom of God stuff, this kingdom of heaven stuff. Judas had his own agenda. And in the end, Judas failed Jesus. He failed Jesus. And there are a lot of us who are Judas. So let's not look at Judas as if Judas is some kind of, man, Judas had this vendetta against Jesus. No, Judas did not. I'll submit to you that Judas loved Jesus. He just loved himself more than he loved Jesus. He loved his agenda more than he loved Jesus. He loved the idea of Jesus taking over than loving Jesus. He loved his version of Jesus more than he loved Jesus. And many of us have sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Many of us have turned Jesus into slaves. You know that 30 pieces of silver was the price of a slave. Hmm. And many have sold Jesus, sold him for our own profit, sold him for our own gain, sold him for our own agenda, sold him for our own things. Putting Jesus on politics sells Jesus. Putting Jesus on, on culture in a way where Jesus fits our way of thinking, fits our way of doing things. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm ranting about Judas. That's not where I want to go. Sorry. That's just a quick little side note there. That before you go and point your finger at Judas, realize that Judas is within many of us. Just go to Twitter. And see all the people who have turned becoming Christian into becoming some kind of right-wing nut. Or the ones who say that being a Christian and being Jesus is being some kind of liberal nut. Not realizing that Jesus was not here to pander to your agenda. Jesus has his own agenda. Jesus is not a political or cultural stance. Jesus was about the kingdom of God. And notice, I'm, I'm bringing you more and more into this, this kingdom of God language, because so many of us are still fixated on the Bible and the rules in the Bible and fixated that we miss the whole message and the purpose of Jesus. The whole message of the kingdom, we miss it. It's unfortunate, but here we are. Thank you so much for the subscription, Cheryl. Love you. So let's just pause there because I, I can go on a rant about Judas because Judas isn't what we, what we think. Because if Judas really didn't care for Jesus, Judas wouldn't be so consumed by shame and guilt for allowing Jesus to be condemned. He wouldn't be so consumed with guilt that he asked to take the 30 pieces of silver back. He realized that his plan didn't work out his way. And now here Jesus is condemned to go to the cross. Judas thought Jesus would work out for him. And then Jesus goes and celebrates the Passover. Again, this is, we're getting a glimpse into the kingdom to see what the kingdom is. We're not waiting for the kingdom. Jesus is ushering in the kingdom and has ushered in the kingdom. And we see the kingdom here manifest. And then Jesus tells them in Passover, one of you will betray me. Judas is like, is it me? Let's walk it down. Then he has the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper, again, is, the, uh, is, is what we now celebrate as communion to remember the death of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus. But then Jesus says, right after that, I'm walking you through because I'm getting to my point. Then Jesus, right after that, 
um, tells Peter that Peter will deny him. And Peter's like, nah, not me. Not me. Now notice the, the, the people, I want to make sure y'all understand this here. The guys who Jesus has done life with for the past few years. And when I say done life with, I'm talking about they were doing life together, traveling together, living together. They were together all day, all the time. These guys were at, at his hip. These guys had up to this point given their lives to Jesus. Still learning about what the kingdom was, still not fully cognizant, not, not fully understanding what the kingdom even was. But here they were following Jesus. And we get to this point where one has betrayed him. Another, he says, will betray him. Peter. Because denial is betrayal still. <laughs> and you're not just going to deny me once, you're going to deny me three times. Then he says to the rest of them, not only will you deny me, but the rest of y'all are going to run. <clears throat> but he says that it's prophesied to have transpired this way. It's going to happen this way because, again, the scriptures are fulfilling the promise and the message of the kingdom. He says, I will strike the shepherd, reminding them, I will strike the shepherd from Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Y'all going to run when this goes down. So these men, stay with me here because I'm getting to my point. These men have given their lives to Jesus. One has set up his own agenda concerning Jesus. Another one who has passion for Jesus somehow thought his passion was enough when passion is never enough. Never. There was no one more passionate than Peter. No one more passionate than Peter. Somehow we think our passion is what's going to keep us going. Our passion is going to keep us living right. Our passion. This man was passionate. And yet when it was time, his passion failed him. Peter, you'll deny me three times. No, not me. No way. No, Peter, you will. And all of y'all, y'all going to all take off. No, not us. They're literally telling Jesus, no, not us. We're not going to do that. No, because we've been with you. We've been with you. We, we've, we've been doing this. We're right or dies. Notice that the ministry of Jesus' salvific work coincides with the failure of those who was close, who were closest to him. Can I just dig in here for a second? How many of us, while we've had passion, while we've had intention, while we may have been near to Christ, we have tried to impose our own agenda and failed him. We have tried to leverage and feed off of our passion and failed him. How many of us having good intentions failed him? Having bad intentions failed him. And notice what the work is that Jesus is doing, that even in the midst of their failures, Jesus is completing his work. I'm sorry, but I'm here to minister for a moment. 
there are many of us who somehow think that God didn't have our failures in mind when he came to do the work that he wanted to do through us. Family, God has prepackaged and preplanned your failures with his plan. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that God had your failures in mind as part of his plan. <laughs> God had already put in mind the things that you would do. It would not prohibit him from doing what he needs to do. It's just part of his plan. Oh, wow. This is tough. Wait, are you saying that I'm permitted to fail? No, what I'm saying is, is that don't ever think that because you're failed, somehow that got in the way of what God is doing. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And sometimes we think somehow that the destiny of God's mission and plan over our life resides in our capacity to do it on our own. Not realizing that all of it was part of his plan. The rooster crowing was part of God's plan. God was fulfilling his story through Peter's failure. God was fulfilling his story through Judas's failure. Y'all understand if Judas didn't fail, Jesus would not have died on the cross. <laughs> if Peter didn't fail, Jesus might not have died on the cross. Peter's failure was part of Jesus' work. Now, Judas hanging himself, that was part, that was on Judas. But what was on Jesus? Yeah. Actually, it needs to be done. It's part of the plan. <laughs> ah, there's so many of us here who somehow believe that God is done with us because we have failed him. I only have a few minutes. As if somehow God was surprised by our failures. Somehow God was surprised that we slipped up, that God was somehow surprised that we got it wrong. That, oh my goodness, well, I guess Billy really he isn't about that. So um, we're just going to have to move on because Billy's holding me back. <laughs> well, you know, Julie, you know, Julie's over here. She's just, man, I, I, I'm just blown away that Julie just can't get it right. And so because, I mean, we, we got to just move on. As if God is somehow surprised. Ooh. God ain't surprised by your failure. God's not surprised by when you slip up and fall. God isn't surprised. He isn't shocked when you have done something wrong. He's not surprised that you have fallen short. <laughs> he packaged his whole plan around that. It's not on us, it's on him. Wow, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, is that God's gonna do his work. The question is, is will we be drawn to him? We look at a story of two guys failing. Of course, we see all the other disciples fail. They have all failed Jesus. They all ran, they all took off, they all hid. They all failed Jesus. Okay. Jesus dies on the cross. And I know we can, we could talk about that all day, right? The death, because again, this is what holds the Christian faith together, right? The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus rises from the dead, but then Jesus goes back and meets them. Watch this. He meets the women. 
I love that because the first people to profess the risen Christ are not any men. It's actually the women, even though somehow we don't give women permission to speak, which I always found interesting. Forget that the women were the ones who, who were the ones who professed the risen Christ first. But anyway, that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> So the women profess him. And then after that, in verse in verse 16, the scriptures tell us that they see him visibly in Galilee. Mind you, this isn't the whole story. We're going to see all of it get we're going to see all of it pieced together in the narrative of the gospels. We're seeing, we're seeing one account. And this account, of course, has an agenda and a purpose. This account has a tone. This account is exposing the fulfillment of the kingdom, the fulfillment of the promise of God in the life of Jesus. And so there are details here that won't be spoken about here that are going to be spoken about in the other gospels. That's why we have the four gospels. Okay. But I want you to see something here is that when these men meet Jesus in Galilee on the mountain that was appointed, the scriptures say that some of them worshiped him and some doubted. Like they actually see him physically and some doubted. And I know we don't have enough time to work that out. Okay. All right. We have enough time to, to break that down. All right. I just want to want to leave you with this, that even with all the disciples who failed, Jesus dies on the cross. He rises again and he returns back to them. He goes back to the ones who failed him. He goes back to the ones who failed him. Oh, snap. Jesus didn't go, all right, those guys, those fools, they weren't the ones. <clears throat> um, after I rise from the grave, I'm going to go find some other guys who, you know, uh, who can do this better. Because obviously these guys, they don't get it. No. Jesus relentlessly pursues them because Jesus had already had a plan for them. And the grace of God, what it does is, is that it doesn't look at our performance and it doesn't keep tabs of our failures. It continues to work in us it, by, in a, by, by the means of transforming us. This was all part of God's plan that I know you're going to fail, but I'm going to use what you have done to continue to push what I intend to do so that in the end, I will get the glory out of it at the end at the end of all of this jesus is going to get the glory and he's going to do it through a bunch of people who ragtag folks who you would say just can't seem to get it together and i know some of us while we celebrate the disciples if we read this story we would think man these are the people that jesus called to to launch his church these are the people that Jesus called to build his church. These people who not only did they fail him, but then they met Jesus on a mountain. And among them, there were still some that doubted. Whew. See, this is the thing, right? We missed that part. We just, we just get to the part where we're like, yeah, you know, there they were, you know, Jesus resurrected and then gave them authority and called them to plant it. Yes, but I, I love to talk about the part where this wasn't as pretty as we make it out to be. I like to point out their shortcomings because sometimes we esteem them in a way that makes them somehow better or distinct than any one of us. Not realizing that this isn't all of us. And that, let's be honest, there's some of us, even if we had seen the risen Christ, we would still have doubted. If we had seen the risen Christ, we would have said, Okay, something's going on here. Maybe it's my my brain. I've got chemical imbalances. Something's going on. I don't know what it is, but nah, this ain't nah, something's going on here. So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta sort that out. 
So I was going to say, I just had a weird dream or maybe I'm plugged into the matrix. We would have tried to come up with different reasons. This is why seeing him is not the most important thing. As a matter of fact, we live by faith, not by sight. As a matter of fact, if you have sight, then you've taken away from faith. Because faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So if you see it, you don't need faith for it. <laughs> if you see it, you don't need faith for it. Now we get to my point. <laughs> I got two minutes. Oh my God, how'd I get here? Now we get to my point. Jesus goes back to the ones who failed him. The disciples who failed him. But there's one missing among them, and it's Judas. Peter failed him. And Judas failed him. And all the disciples failed him. But Judas had committed suicide. Because Judas decided his own fate for himself. Consumed by shame and guilt, Judas decided his own fate and hanged himself. While everyone else failed, the one thing that can't happen is for us to choose our own condemnations in our own sentences. And for many of us, just like Judas, We've sentenced ourselves. Yeah, we don't hang ourselves, but we sentence ourselves. We tell ourselves, well, because I did this, I can never have this. Because I made this mistake, I can never do this. Because of this thing that I did, I'll never have hope in this thing. My mistake that I've made today has condemned me in perpetuity, and so there's no hope for me. And so rather than submitting to one who determines your destiny, we choose our own destinies for ourselves. In consequence, not allowing Christ to do the work that he needs to do in our lives. Don't be like Judas. You may have been like Judas, but don't be like Judas. You may have sold Jesus out, but don't be like Judas. Imagine the kind of pride that we have when we choose our own condemnations over God's. Faith is Sorry, faith requires humility. Faith requires submission. You know, there are people who say, I can't forgive myself. What do you mean you can't forgive yourself? Since when was it on you to forgive yourself? Yeah, I just can't forgive myself for what I did. Fam, who determines your condemnation? Who is the final arbiter of justice? Scriptures tell us there's one mediator between God and man. God is the judge. And by the grace of God, Jesus is your lawyer. But we're too busy trying to be our own judges. And so we don't allow God to do the work in us because we are prideful. That term, I can't forgive myself. I'm sorry, it's a little tough love. But that, that term, I can't forgive myself, is it's one of the most prideful things we can say. 
It's one of the most prideful things we can say. Do you know what I did, pastor? Fam, it doesn't matter what you did if you're in Jesus Christ. Do you, do you have any idea how many people I've, I've, I've hurt or how many things I've done? I just can't forgive myself. Fam, since when was it on you? I just can't forgive myself for the things that I've done. I Have you betrayed Jesus? I've betrayed him so many times. Fam, since when was it on you? There's no way God can forgive me. Sorry, do you not know his word? In Jesus, there is no condemnation. But, oh, pastor, you should know this is what I did. Fam, there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. My question to you is, are you in Christ? Not what have you done? There's anything that's beautiful, so many things, so many stories here, so many subplots in the grand plot. But the subplot here that inspires me today is for the ones who Jesus had called and commissioned. Even when they failed him, Jesus did not give up on them. And for those of you who've been called, who have heard the voice of God, Jesus does not give up on you. He relentlessly pursues you. He relentlessly pursues you. The world might give up on you. Society might give up on you. The culture might give up on you. But Jesus goes back to the ones who failed him. Why? Because Jesus has a call on their life and it's by the grace of God that they will be transformed. And even at this point in the text, Jesus commissions them while in that same space, some were still doubting. And he says to them, all authority have, has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. He commissioned them. This is how we end the book of Matthew, that the fulfillment of the kingdom is about a people who are in Christ. Christ accomplishes it all. He fulfills it all. He fills all and he's in all. So fam, today, as we close this time, today I want you to be confident of this. That no, none of your failures have surprised God. The question is, will you submit your life to him? Faith requires submission. Will you submit your life to him? Worship requires submission. Will you submit your life to him? Will we get over ourselves, get over our pride, stop becoming judges of ourselves and simply say, Lord, I need you now to do the work in me. I pray that the Lord will do the work in each and every one of us to come to him boldly. Father, I ask as we come together, Lord, in this time in your word, Father, I just pray that you would bless each and every one of us, Lord, as we um, um, go about our day today, Lord. I just pray that we would, <laughs> Lord, trust in your word. Trust in your story. Trust in the ministry of what you accomplished and what you did. Lord, teach us to get over ourselves. Teach us to not fall into the lie of shame and guilt. Teach us submission to your will. so that we would do what you've called us to do. 
We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I got to run. Got to go. Uh, love y'all. I will be back uh, on, well, no, actually Friday, I have a conference that I have to go speak at. So I won't be, <clears throat> I won't be, um, I won't be on on Friday, but I will be on tomorrow. Um, uh, so tomorrow morning, I'll see you guys. Okay. Um, on, on discord. So I won't be on IG or TikTok, but I will be on discord. Follow our discord, discord.gg slash opus frere discord.gg slash opus frere also text me 954-231-1848 um i regularly share words of encouragement and whatever the lord is inspiring that morning it's usually only in the morning that i'll text just to give you guys a morning inspiration um and so uh text me 954-231-1848 and of course if you guys if this ministry has been a blessing to you in any way you say man i want to keep this thing going this thing has been a blessing. It's your support that makes all of this possible. The patrons are the reason why I'm here, okay? Um, to be able to do this every day, to come here every day. It's your support that makes all that possible. And so, um, art forever? No, it is not a sin to be a security guard, okay? It is not a sin to be a security guard. Um, so yeah, I want to encourage you guys, become a patron. Become a patron. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. And here's what's cool. You can join Patreon. You can join the trial, y'all, for free. That's right. Patreon.com. So you can get this episode today available for free. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Okay? Slash Isaac Frere. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. And y'all can jump on for free for a month just to see what we do, get connected to the community. So guys, join, okay? Join. Your support makes all this possible.